So this is a little experiment called Remote 15. Remote 15 is a 15-minute soundbite where we interview remote founders and operators from the world of remote work. Today's discussion is an insight into early-stage B2C with Nikos Melanquinos. Nikos is the founder of Quirk Money, a B2C finance management app for Gen Z. I met Nikos around six months ago on the depths of Discord where we connected over studying a master's at the Royal College of Art in London, the place Nikos studied before starting Quirk. Nikos, thank you for opting into the first episode of Mode 15. Hey, thanks um, for having me. So Nikos, for the sake of the podcast, who are you and what are you working on with Quirk? Yeah, Quirk is a Gen Z focused personal finance app. So we, we've launched uh, for about six months now and we've, we've built a, a mobile app that allows young people to learn about, track and manage their money in one place. Um, and yeah, we were at, at Quirk Money on TikTok and Instagram. We do a lot of financial education content on our, on our social channels and it's been a, been a ride. Yeah, cool. So that's Quirk.Money. And what is your role there, Nikos? I'm one of two co-founders. Uh, I'm also the CEO, which means I do a bit of everything, to be honest. At, at an early stage, there's only eight of us at the company. So still, you know, I have my, my fingers in, in most pies. Um, my co-founder, she is head of product, um, but we had met in design school. So we, we talk and collaborate a lot whenever it comes to product design and product strategy. Um, but, you know, fundamentally right now, I'm doing a lot of our fundraising efforts, partnerships, some of the regulation that we need since we're dealing with financial data. But I also do most of our kind of TikTok content. Most startups have a really interesting founding story, whether that's how they met their co-founder or co-founders or how they got funding or their first customers. What is the story of how you founded Quirk? As I mentioned, I, I met my co-founder in design school. Obviously, we were you know, in a mode of thinking about different problems and coming up with solutions. Um, my background is in, in tech and finance. I studied economics. I was always very passionate about you know, financial literacy and income inequality. My co-founder, more of a kind of um, tech, uh, true tech background, but she, as a woman, always felt that she never really learns about money and has, you know, many uh, stories of just like, you know, getting into it too late. And I think, you know, those, those kind of ideas converged for us while we were uh, at the RCA. Plus the fact that open banking was just kind of picking up uh, steam in the UK, which open banking is the ability for third parties to access financial data with a user's consent. And we thought, okay, we can do something more interesting here with financial data, build better tech than the bank themselves and bring to the users better insights, better user experience, better relationship with their money, um, and also pull in the financial education component. And that's, that's how we got started. Neat. And if I remember right, you told me that you started around the beginning of 2020. How has the pandemic impacted how you and your team have decided to... ...person. And I think we sort of ultimately decided to be going into an office, but just have a hybrid basically set up where we go two to three times a week and the rest we do fully remote yeah because, it, yeah i'm sorry if i'm right part of your team is still remote true completely. Yeah, yeah it is it is um, we're basically half and half at this point so most of the engineering is is abroad uh and then kind of marketing and the founders with kind of operations are are in london i mean super interesting i mean a lot of companies right at the beginning of 2020 obviously went through the same thing I'm really interested to know, though, what was the biggest benefit or hidden benefit to Quirk's progression? And then also has remote work evolved for you as a company? I, th I think that, that definitely the one benefit that we found, which was huge, was just like the kind of universal access to talent. So, you know, even when we brought on interns, we had someone in the US, then we had someone from Vietnam. Um, and that was very interesting in terms of just being able to source people from around the world and not having to work in person with them. Um, over time, you know, there's definitely certain functions that 
worked better in person. And I think we sort of ultimately decided to be going into an office, but just have a hybrid basically set up where we go two to three times a week and the rest we do fully remote. Yeah, and it, yeah. I'm sorry if I'm right, part of your team is still remote. True, completely. yeah, it is, it is. Uh, we're basically half and half at this point. So most of the engineering is, is abroad uh, and then kind of marketing and the founders with kind of operations are, are in London. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you don't, you, you don't need too much FaceTime. There's just, you know, certain meetings, but also just, you know, for, for culture purposes, being there with, with other people. I think that's kind of the biggest win from in-person. And, you know, you just need a few moments a week to do that. And then, you know, in terms of actually getting the work done, we can do so much of that remotely. You told me earlier that your team is now eight people and it's split between the executive side of the company, which meets in person in London, um, and the dev team, which is kind of split all across the world. You mentioned people in the US and Vietnam, etc. One thing I read recently was that you can kind of see all businesses as lifestyle businesses, as in you choose the business in the way that you want to work and what that ultimately achieves. When you get a team, this becomes very interesting. So I'd love to ask you, what are your thoughts on that statement um, that all businesses are? Like? I think w w one thing that I heard recently from, from HubSpot's uh, head of, uh, no, COO, uh, was that you need to treat your culture as a product. So in the same way that you go after, you know, getting user feedback and iterating, A-B testing and having bugs and working on them, like is the same process you should follow for your culture um, because it is important to sort of be cognizant of it. Otherwise it just kind of, into whatever people are doing uh, randomly. Um, in terms of thinking of, of work as lifestyle, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because we definitely, like, you know, in our branding and our marketing, like, very kind of honest and direct and matter of fact and, like, you know, kind of trendy with, with what, like, you know, Gen Z is, is and says and does nowadays. So we sort of really try to embody that as much as possible. Um, and, you know, be, beyond that, I think, like, when you're a founder and it's still early stage, Right, like a lot of how you live your life is reflected in, in how your company grows and the early culture. So it's like the, the founder lifestyle initially is kind of what I would uh, liken it to. That is a very interesting point. If you had to pick something from how you've lived your life as a founder that's translated into Quirk's culture, what would it be? I think we, we, we value both collaboration and independence at the same time. So, you know, because we are, you know, co-founders who were designers and we always like worked together and everything, we kind of really appreciate just like sharing our opinion, voicing things, getting feedback. But at the same time, you know, once we've done that, which might be in our kind of daily standup or whatnot, um, we then give people full flexibility to do their work and not sort of micromanaging. Um, so we've, we've always been giving people a lot of responsibility from day one. And we mostly sort of expect to just be able to hear your opinions, like make, make a decision together and then go off to sort of do, do the, the real work. Um, so I think early on, it really reflects both of kind of mine and co-founders working style and how we started um, and kind of always working as a team whilst having, you know, you know, no one looking over your head when you're actually executing. So then now we get into the nitty gritty. How can you manage to get work done when you're not necessarily providing overhead or managing that process always directly? Yeah, I, th I think having good tools to do that is very important, right? So we, we use a variety of tools from, you know, whether it's like Slack, 
for communication, Notion for um, combining all, all the, the knowledge of the company, um, Trello for task management, um, and then kind of Google Drive mostly for, for different assets. And finally Figma for um, collaborative designing and actually one more Canva, which is like for collaborative content uh, production. So, you know, you, you do need really good tools to make it all happen. And, and it's great that there's like really cool stuff coming out there that make it make collaboration easy. So you're not just like sending files left and right. So using using those have has been a great way to sort of maintain a good working environment, you know, in the cloud, but it operates well even when we're in person. Right. And it mostly kind of translates. Everything then gets documented always within our tools. Okay, I'm going to come back in that and ask a question because the office was often great as a place to naturally share information because of proximity. But when you have a new hire or someone who hasn't used the same tech stack, for example, how do you get them to kind of work in the quirk way? How do you build them up work in the quirk way? That's a great question. Um, you know, a, a big part of it is, you know, how you onboard someone and how much of a good job you've made, you know, getting into those tools, like the existing infrastructure, as well as the extent to which you can make it enjoyable. You know, we we take a lot of pride in making our notion look really nice um, in terms of how we templatize things or create notes. Um, I think that's been kind of like a good motivation for when someone comes in to to maintain that. And obviously, like early on, you know, we try to document how things need to be done. Obviously, we won't always have that documentation. So we'll try to give feedback as 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 soon as possible. Um, and that's that's where it's important for us like to hire someone who's very open to feedback and doesn't take it as criticism, but take it as a, as a way to, to improve upon themselves. And that's why we also invite as founders to, to be receiving as much criticism as possible. Um, so, you know, I think sharing that early um, is, is, is important. Okay, so let's take a detour because we've chatted about management of teams um, when it comes to onboarding as well as day-to-day -day work. But another question is, how do you manage yourself as a founder, the day-to-day -day of, of building a company? That's a really great question. I think you never get the full answer for yourself. It's it's always a, a work in progress. You know, I'm a first-time founder, so there's a lot of learning. and But that that's part of the founder experience, right? That there's such a kind of steep learning curve and you're immediately in the deep end and you just have to like swim or sink really um so i think it's just it's very important to to practice self-care as much as possible and that's hard and you know i, I fail on that uh, at times but the, the more you can sort of be on top of like your health and, and your exercise that helps you operate better uh but then in terms of you know kind of productivity in, within work um you know good task management and using we use trello a lot and so i have a trello which is just for myself and has all the tasks which are like in the need to do, doing and done category. And, and that helps a lot. Um, as well as kind of having pretty much daily calls with my co-founder. And I think that helps with accountability. Um, you know, especially when you, you need to be getting through a lot of work, having the accountability of sharing your work towards your, your you know, partner and co-founder and, you know, make sure you're, you're both kind of putting in the work great answer if you're up for it let's go on to the rapid fire round i'm really curious to where is the best location that you have worked um 
actually, I remember taking phone calls from uh, the, the the peak of, of Ben Nevis in, in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was on a <laughs> on a on a three peak weekend with my friends, but we had I think it was like during fundraising and it was like like negotiations at the very end. So it just so happened that I was in Benevis and my co-founder was like in Venice, Italy. And it was the first time we had taken vacation um, kind of like at, between the two pandemics. And I remember just taking calls. Somehow I had signal on there and we're just like going back and forth at numbers. <laughs> and, you know, we, we agreed on the deal while, while I was like at the peak of the mountain. And that was super unique. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure not very many people have agreed a funding round from the peak of Ben Nevis. So pretty dope. The next question is, what is the best memory you have with your team at any stage of the company? Yeah, I think one of the, one of my favorites uh, that I just can think top of mind is it was during the pandemic and we had to do a pitch event, me and my co-founder, for like I think like a hundred people, but it was on Zoom, and we both kind of like felt the kind of tension and anxiety of like giving pu- public speaking, even though it was on Zoom. Um, we ended up doing really well, and we got we got our lead investor for our pre-seed round from from that event. I remember we were like it finished, and like we were just both kind of sitting there, and we we're like, okay, and we need a drink, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just like you know, middle of the day, but like appreciating that like we 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 achieved a, a, a went through a major hurdle and did well, and just me and my co-founder like having a drink and like toning down, um, and just having that whole experience fully fully remote. <laughs> Neat. Uh, last question is. You have a billboard in a very lucrative location and you can put anything on it. What would you choose? What's the message on the billboard? You know, I I love that a lot of marketing for Gen Z nowadays is anti-marketing in a way. You know, you don't actually say what it is you do. You just kind of convey your, your culture, really. And I mean, part of what we were saying before. Um, I think we would probably utilize some kind of TikTok meme um, or, you know, something along the lines of like saying like get quirky and having, you know, some kind of like absolutely absurd <laughs> visual of a person doing something. Um, I think that's that's kind of the closest to the idea I can get. Um, probably incorporating some some TikTok trending meme that's like, you know, hot <laughs> at, the, at the minute. Uh, so, yeah. Amazing. So on that note, I think this ends the first episode of the podcast. Nikos, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story, the story of Quirk, and also how you guys work. I'm super excited to see where Quirk goes. And yeah, thank you again. I'm really excited with what you're building as well with, with Moon. I think it's super necessary. So I'm looking forward to trying it out.